and welcome to episode 51 of VChat. My name's Simon Seagrove from techhead.co. And I'm David Davis from vmwarevideos.com. And I'm joined by our special guest live in person today from uh, TechHead uh, headquarters here in uh, Westboro, Massachusetts. Um, analyst and long-term friend of mine, Stu Miniman. How, do you, how are you doing, Stu? Simon, pleasure to be here. Welcome to the region. Uh, Thank so you very nice much. to have you. I mean, literally a stone's throw from my house. Told my kids, uh, you know, text me if you need me. I'll be home in minutes. Uh, and uh, David, it's always uh, good to catch up with you, even if we don't get to, you know, see each other live and in person this time. It's great to see you, Stu. I'm just so shocked that Simon got you like in person, the real physical Stu, because most of the time I see you, you're in a little video screen at some show around the world at, at the, the desk on the cube. And so it's just great to see you virtually, but still in person. Yeah, you know what are the secrets? People think we're at like every single show and while the cube, our organization is at lots of them, Thanks to the what lovely things of Twitters and all the online and everything like that, I look like I'm personally at more shows uh, than I am. But yeah, I'm, I'm at a lot of shows. I actually, it was nice. I've got about a week and a half that I'm home, not on a plane, in between just had a, a month on the road and have a few more uh, coming up in June. And uh, yeah, year round, it seems that, you know, events have taken over and that, 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 that's a piece of our business. So. Yeah, well, you've had a chaotic schedule. I mean, last time I saw you was at, uh, well, Dell Technologies World and uh, trying to get, get some of your time there just to say hi. Uh, proves difficult because, like David was saying, every time I uh, I went to see you, you, you were interviewing someone uh, at the cube there. So definitely a very very busy schedule. Um, but I think you know before we kick things off, uh, people watching this or listening to this on the podcast but not familiar with you, Stu. Do you want to give a little bit of background about yourself? Um, you know, when did you get into the IT industry, and uh, you know where are you now? And what do you do? All right. Thanks, Simon. So uh, it, it's funny. I, I'm trying to remember if it was my second or my third job before I realized I was in the IT industry. Uh, I don't know. I studied, I studied engineering um, and, uh, you know, went into the tech sector. Love technology, love playing with that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, took a number of roles working for technology vendors. Uh, the, the, the last vendor I worked for, I left eight years ago. Uh, there was this company down the road uh, that used oh, to be called EMC. <laughs> Um, it was, yeah, uh, yeah. so um, uh, <laughs> like many other companies in Massachusetts, unfortunately, that, that company has ceased to be because they got acquired. So uh, it, it's worked out quite well. Uh, you're, you're, you're with the Dell EMC family under Michael Dell's uh, uh, umbrella of families. Uh, but uh, eight years ago, I left uh, and joined a, a small boutique research firm called Wikibon. And right around the time that I joined them, um, they had made a partnership uh, with this other company called Silicon Angle. And when they were starting to talk and work, it was like, well, journalists want to go deeper and analysts want to go faster. Um, there was this idea that, hey, video and live streaming video might actually be useful. Uh, John Furrier, actually the, the, the founder of Silicon Angle, was like the, founded the first paid podcasting company. You know, we wouldn't be doing podcasts like this yeah. if it wasn't for John and people like him yes. that got that started. Um, but they said they had this idea for video. It was called The Cube. Yes. Um, we did a couple of them back in 2010, and it's kind of grown from them. And last year, we did over 100 events and over 1,600 interviews. I personally did about 20 events and like over 400 interviews myself. So, wow. yeah, I get to talk to a lot of people. Um, people think that I have good opinions. It's like, look, I'm just part of the community, <laughs> talking to great, smart people, and try to help distill that down. And yeah, I, I've got my thoughts and biases, just like everybody else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what I would say is, I consider myself a raging moderate. So I want to debate, and I want to discuss it. Um, nothing in technology tends to be just ones and zeros or black and white. 
and uh, everything that you hold true today could be proven wrong tomorrow. It's yeah, talking, if yeah. only it was that simple. Because I actually remember when 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 you went across uh, to the cube and what have you there, and uh, I'm always amazed at how your uh, technological sort of uh, video setup has evolved over the years. I mean, uh, what was the guy's name? Riz. Uh, Risen, yes. Risen. He was he was the guy that used to do all your video and audio and everything like that. And your setup wasn't far off what I've got here in the room, really, uh, when you first started. And over the years, it's just evolved. Everything from the lighting to LED panels, just the quality of the cameras as well. Yeah, um, it's I, been I, phenomenal. I, I was worried, right? We we were definitely hackers in the early days, oh, putting yeah, everything yeah, together. Yeah. Um, still, going live with video is a minor miracle every time it happens. But today, yes. right, we have some of our own production gear, but we work with a lot of third-party production companies these days. I personally worry a little bit about the cameras. You know, I don't really have much in the way of hair left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to that. They give me a little bit of powder or anti-shine uh, uh, <laughs> on many of the sets because, boy, I mean, remember when you got your first HDTV yes. and you saw there were certain people that you felt they could kill their careers? I, I worry. It's I could see way too much detail. Um, it's hard enough for me to listen to myself, let alone look at myself on these things. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that whole trajectory of yeah. the last eight years has been uh, an interesting one to watch. So, so talking about that, Stu, how, how do you find it? I mean, after doing so many, you mentioned last year, what, 400 interviews you did. Yeah. Do you get used to, A, interviewing people, but do you get used to seeing and particularly hearing yourself? Because I, I, I always cringe when I edit these up, <laughs> you know, that if you said that or, you know, you don't like the way you sound. I mean, do, does it get any easier? No, no, not at all. Listening to myself or watching myself are really tough. My first couple of years, I force myself to do it. But the other thing is I ask lots of people for feedback. So yeah. we've got production people that, you know, will tell me, Stu, you're doing the ums a lot, or my wife will be, uh, you know, you know, you know. And she's like, I don't know. You need to explain what you're talking about because we'll use those shortcuts when we understand. So there's the verbal things and then there's the physical things. Yes. I still know. I'm still way too much of a person to be on television. Uh, here's a tip. <laughs> Next time you watch broadcast news, anything like that, watch the anchors. They are completely stiff from the neck down, yes. and their heads don't move much, and they don't make much facials, as opposed to those of us humans that talk. <laughs> you try to get the just YouTube automatically grab some screenshots. Yeah. We're making faces that make us look hard. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. The anchors look perfectly natural when you watch them. They, they Isn't it? do, That's but it. if you actually look and watch the yes. detail, you're like, oh, no, they're more like robots than people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I sure hope I, I, I still maintain myself as a person um, because otherwise the AI and everything else will take things over. <laughs> you know, that's a matter of time, right? <laughs> they, they haven't taken the artists yet. Right, I will fight it. against it. <laughs> Robo Stu. So Stu, how many people are behind the scenes of the cube at these big shows? How many, how many people does it take? Um, so it varies. So if you take a, a big show like a VMworld or an AWS reInvent, uh, we'll bring a team of 30 or 40 to the event, but that's, two sets, cameramen, you know, host wow. there. Um, you, you know, you need to think about how much bandwidth. Me as somebody interviewing, if I'm going three days of interviewing people nonstop, it's pretty grueling. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I've done it lots of times. If, uh, you know, some of our guest hosts, John Troyer and Keith Townsend, the first couple of times we brought them in and they did like a full day, they're like, wow, you don't understand how much like effort it takes to context switch between guests to get ready and to keep doing it. So, um, the thing I'd say, I haven't gotten used to listening to myself, but you know, once you've done a thousand interviews, the next one's not that much difficult. Yes. Um, so interviewing executives, uh, for me personally, I love talking to the end users. 
They're talking about their business. They're talking about their passion. For me, it's always about finding that area where people have expertise or passion where they can share what they've learned. And that's what people want to hear is people like themselves or yes. where they can learn from things. So that, that's, you know, you know, not think, think I'm giving away any, you know, state secrets there, but um, it makes no, my okay. life a little bit easier. So, so I mean, you know, you, you get to interview all these, you know, fantastic industry leaders, the end users, you know, a, a real broad spectrum of, uh, you know, people there. Um, you know, from all the conversations and, and, and the shows you've been attending, uh, attending in, the, in the past year or so, are, what, what are the common themes you're seeing? Um, uh, you know, are they common themes and, you know, what, what are they? Yeah, abs absolutely. So, right, let's bring it back to our world of technology here. Um, the biggest thing for me for probably about the last year and a half has been what is this whole thing we've been talking about cloud now not talking about arguing over what is or isn't cloud but when you talk to users uh you know i, I heard that there's you know industry stat out there you know 80 percent of companies now have a cloud strategy and my pushback on there as well 20 percent of the people i wonder what they're doing yeah. um, that 80 percent uh, really the ink is still pretty wet on whatever strategy they have um, if, if you take somebody like a, uh, some of the great thought leaders like Clay Christensen and the others, they say strategy is not something that you do long term. So strategy is something that you will put in place and you will revisit it on a regular yes. cadence based on feedback and whatsoever. But people saying, you know, I've got infrastructure. And what's the role of infrastructure? Infrastructure is to run applications. And what's the role of applications? Applications are what run our business. So when I talk to companies, it's what's happening in your business and oh the big thing is we are going through transformations in every industry so that whole digital transformation has gone from a buzzword to reality and modernizing my environment to give me the speed to be able to react to what the business needs to be able to do what the customer needs to start new businesses to understand how to leverage my data um you know analytics is is still a huge theme We've kind of moved beyond the discussion of quote big data, yep. uh, and it's really about it's about my applications, it's about my data, and lots of it is going to SaaS. Lots of cool things happening in the public cloud environment, and then I've modernized the things that I need to keep under my control, either for governance, security, or, or some other purpose that I need to have it in house uh, and ha have it close to what what I'm doing. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned sort of about data there and governance and what have you. I mean, from the from the people you speak to there and the businesses there. You know, what's the shift to public cloud? Obviously, you know, five years ago, for example, everyone was saying, you know, five years time, everything, or you know, eighty percent of everything would be running in the public cloud. Obviously, that hasn't happened. I mean, there's still a shift, admittedly, as applications get updated and uh, you know next gen apps get uh, get developed. You know, there's more of a shift in that in that space. But do you think we've hit, hit that equilibrium now of uh, of, of uh, you know public versus private cloud and where this data, where these applications are sitting? Yeah, I don't think we've hit the equilibrium yet. We still see tremendous growth in the public cloud. Uh, you know, Microsoft's growing at 85% clip, Amazon's a 40 to 50%, uh, you know, growth clip while, it, and, you know, servers are actually on a bit of a growth. Simon, your, your background, you know, you know, the server market really oh, yeah. well. Yeah, uh, the last three quarters have been great for the server market. Yeah. And it's, yes, it's, and, and it's more things. Um, you know, it's an oversimplification to say public cloud has done more compute intensive environments where, you know, kind of the traditional data center has been more storage uh, centric because I've talked to lots of companies that were building the, you know, data lakes, if you will. Yes. And a lot of those are happening in the public cloud now. And you're seeing lots of interesting applications in the public cloud. And SaaS, 
lots of that lives on public cloud, but lots of it also lives in service providers and other people's data centers. So it, it, it is a very fragmented market and it's still changing very fast. You know, I remember when we tried to do forecasts on how big public cloud will be, yeah. um, right, it is, does it take 30% of the market or 80% of the market? And I, I don't think as an industry, we still have a, a good, you know, feel as to what that final yes. level will be equilibrium will be, but I don't think we've reached it yet. Yeah. And you know, I'm still quite bullish on, on, on yeah. public cloud and the massive growth of those ecosystems. Yeah, I mean, is it a case of everything sort of bedding down and and really the private versus public, well, not versus, you know, because they run in parallel, right? It's not one or the other, it's an and. You know, as an industry and businesses as a whole, do you think we're finding the best fit use case for public and private? Is that perhaps what's happening more than anything now? Yeah, and a, a lot of it is, you know, I, I need to get my data where it's most needed and where yeah. I can access it and where are my workers. So, you know, mobility has still been a trend uh, that, that's growing great. Lots of times, you know, the, the front end of my application is in the public cloud, but then, you know, the repository, you know, might, might be in our data center. So uh, we don't see application mobility that much, but we do see uh, really some disaggregation of applications yeah. and functions as we pull things apart. Microservices is a huge growth. And you talk cloud native or even, you know, hot new topic of serverless technology I've yeah. been looking at the last year or so. Um, it is not a all of it in the public or all of it in the private. It is a complicated, multi-faceted <laughs> world and yes. things just like Amazon's making deep partnerships with companies uh, like uh, VMware. Yeah. Uh, VMware is also partnering with companies like Google and Google plays across the board and Microsoft plays across both ends and Alibaba is gonna make huge moves <laughs> yes. across all of these environments. So um, yeah. it, it definitely, uh, back to that, it's uh, lots of shades of gray yes. uh, in what we're talking about in IT. Yeah, and that's the thing with IT tech in general, they, they, like you say, there's never zeros and ones, it's never black or white. There's always those shades of gray in between, yeah. Yeah, Stu, uh, one of the shows I saw you at recently was, of course, Dell, Dell's big world conference, Dell World. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the coolest things you saw or like interviews you did? Did you talk to Michael Dell? W what was it like? Yeah, first of all, uh, you talk, I, I get to talk to a lot of people. So two interviews that, you know, still um, I was excited about. One was, of, of course, Michael Dell. It's actually, I've, I've gotten to interview him a few times. It's something when, you know, I talked to my father, even though he knows who Michael Dell is, because yeah. he's been one of the Dell laptops for 20 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Michael, I, you know, I've bumped into so many people in the last month that stopped me and were like, I've watched that interview. It was, it was you know, going through a broad spate of topics, everything from, you know, mentioned blockchain and like oh, Bitcoin, yeah. you know, yeah. Michael's thoughts on Bitcoin. He's like, I'm not investing. Maybe I'm losing money <laughs> on this. And it's like, well, Michael, I, I, I think you'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, who, you know, what's happening with that integration? I mean, the largest merger, you know, acquisition in technology history. It's, you know, my background, I worked at EMC for 10 years. That's Simon's right. there now. So it's something I've watched. I've written a lot about it. I've talked a lot on it. Um, at a macro level, it's, it's doing well for the company. At the micro level, look, I, I know a lot of people that have changed jobs in the last two years. And, uh, you know, that change is to be expected. But, um, it, it's once again, it's not a binary thing. There's good things. There's things that have changed and uh, they are making the company uh, geared towards where they're going. The other interview that I was so excited and it was a last minute one I got, I got to interview Walter Isaacson. So if the audience doesn't know, Walter Isaacson, one of my favorite authors, I've read the last six biographies that he's written. He's most well known for the Steve Jobs one. My wife and I watched the National Geographic show on Einstein that was based off of one of mm. his books. And one of my favorite books all time is The Innovators, which is the history of the computer and the internet. 
going all the way back to Ada Lovelace. So wow. for those of us that, you know, yeah. have, you know, I've got a couple decades now in tech, you know, <laughs> it talks about like, oh, well, here's when, you know, Mosaic first launched and Mark Andreessen was working on this. It's like, oh my God, I was using that browser a month after it came out. And then, you know, <laughs> walks <scary>. through, you know, <laughs> yes. oh, well, you know, here's where, you know, Jobs and Wozniak were working on the Apple II in this. It's like, I had an Apple IIc. I actually yeah. got a photo with Steve Wozniak once and told him, you know, how important, you know, one of those early computers that I could play with and plug things in and do yeah. things. You know, I, I'm a hardware guy by background living in the software world. So, yeah. you know, things like that. It's like when I've gotten to meet or, you know, talk to somebody like Walter Isaacson who's met and talked in depth with all of these people. And actually, if you go listen out Walter Isaacson, it's only like a six minute interview at the end of it. Um, I, he actually has been talking quite a bit to Michael Dell and was telling me how, you know, his upbringing with his parents gave him the humanities upbringing uh, that, you know, gives him, you know, really the depth, not only the technology, but this. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds like chapter one of the Michael Dell story. Um, <laughs> I was reading. So wow, uh, I never know, it might that, be the next book. That could be a good read. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. Oh, sorry. And, yeah, and what about VMware? I mean, I know that one of the coolest stories you've ever told me is you were in on the the review of the deal to buy VMware. Do you so, want to tell us that? Actually, I was in before that. Um, so I signed the NDA between EMC and VMware. It was one of those, there was a large financial company. I was working in the Interop lab at EMC, you know, a couple miles down the road from where Simon and I yeah. are seeing, and it was... <laughs> You know, we had a request from this very large company that was known for taking early technology and coming to EMC and said, make it work. So it was, you know, you guys are both, you know, VMware guys. It was ESX oh, yeah. 1.5.2. Um, that <laughs> yeah. was literally, we had one Linux engineer. I was the program manager and we started testing it. I was having phone calls and meetings with Diane Green and Ed Bunyon. There were like a little more than 100 people at VMware back in the time. So I'm still, one of the things that I, when I... Get a little older in my career here i look back and i'm like oh my god i've watched you know the, the tremendous you know ascension of vmware from you know that hundred person company to there year and a half after the you know after i was working with them you know emc bought them yeah. i was involved in a lot of the conversations educating people doing deep dive ndas and yeah it, it, we have a longer conversation on beer i can tell you some of the inner workings as to how it, it's there are people that have told me if i hadn't done the things that i'd done that wouldn't have happened. Now, I, you know, I was a pretty junior guy at that time and, you know, wasn't pulled in. It was my VP at the time. He disappeared for two weeks. And when he, you know, reemerged, they bought VMware. I'm like, oh, that's where he was. Uh, <laughs> I talked to Chuck Hollis once and he's like, yeah, I got a call from Joe Tucci mm -hmm. during that time. You know, I had introduced Diane Green and Ed Bunyon to Chuck. And he's like, I got that call. And they're like, Joe Tucci's there. And he's like, what do you think of VMware? He's like, they're great. Why? And he's like, thanks, click. You know, <laughs> Mark Lewis uh, was the CTO at the time. He was definitely instrumental in making that acquisition happen. So one of the best acquisitions yeah. of the decade, if not century, yeah. uh, it was there. It, it, I, 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 I'm still amazed. We see so many technologies and it's like, what is going to take off? Like, I remember how excited I got to like, you know, the visual browser which was when I was in college. And oh, yeah. I showed my girlfriend yeah. at the time, who's now my wife, and she's like, what is this toy? I'm like, no, 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 I, my <laughs> mind is exploding as to what we could do with it. Yes, I'm not sure what we will do with it, but what you could and yeah, the VMs where was the world, you know, when we've been early on things like cloud, 
Um, you know, uh, Docker was a company I was relatively early in watching, um, and it helped drive this next wave of technology. Even if Docker itself might not be the biggest success story, it's, you know, that next generation of cloud native really owes a lot of debt uh, to what VMware did, for for what Docker did to driving innovation. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, that's the great thing. I mean, all of us now are sort of getting to, to an age whereby we've done a number of years. I mean, I've been in the, oh God, about 20 years in the IT industry. <laughs> take five um but you know the things we've experienced and seen you know the, the the changes in those time i mean the very tail end of mainframes across to uh, you know client server technologies right through to cloud right through to you know this latest wave of technologies coming through it's uh, been absolutely phenomenal and Stu, you know you, you're getting to interview so many of these key players that have helped shape this you know and and in some part as well yourself like you say having involvement with some of this it's it's the sort of thing you'll be sitting on your rocking chair on your porch when you're 90 uh, looking yeah. back yeah, and, they uh, call me up and said, oh, you had that really instrumental video <laughs> on fiber channel over Ethernet back in the day. It's like, <laughs> those of you that have known me for a while, like, remember that stuff. It's like, um, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot for somebody actually to have an impact. I mean, mm. you know, I remember, you know, I used to be a blogger. I don't blog that much. I do write for my day job. Um, but, you know, podcasts and videos, you can reach phenomenal markets. And it just a little seed can help, uh, you know, the butterfly wings across the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the exciting thing about IT, isn't it? I mean, it's never changing. I could not work in an industry that's stagnant, and that's what I love. I mean, sometimes it's challenging, right, because you've got to keep your skills uh, you know, up, up to scratch, and you've got to read like anything, uh, whether that be online or, or physical books. Uh, and, and, you know, it's challenging, but at the same time, this is the exciting part of this industry and being part of it. Well, and, and, and actually, but you bring up the, the, the counterpoint to that. If I've read a bunch of Walter Isaacson's point, and I wish I had had time to ask him this question, but I posted it on LinkedIn too for with the video that I posted is if you read about these brilliant minds out there, they reach a point where they stop, you know, the next thing. It was like Einstein, you know, revolutionized physics. But when it came to, you know, quantum, you know, mechanics, everybody's like, God doesn't play, you know, uh, with, 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 with probability. That's ridiculous. So he fought against it for decades and would not believe in it um, because it was the new thing. There's always people that was like, you know, this works and I know how it is. And you know, that new thing, you know, hogwash, I'm not going to, I'm not, you're going to pry it away from my cold dead hands. Uh, So, uh, you know, we all reach a point where it'd be easier just to keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you know, it's challenging to always wanting to be learning and and moving forward. There's so much there. Uh, Yeah. Simon, I, I, you got to tell me about these VR visors and things we can do one of these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'll give you a demo. (laughs) We'll, We'll do a few. We need a show on that, on VR visors. That would be awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so speaking of shows, I mean, and, and new innovations, tell us about some shows maybe you've been to or you're planning to go to that, you know, you get excited about um, the new innovations that are coming out. I mean, I saw you recently, I think, at OpenStack Summit. You know, I mean, KubeCon, DockerCon. What, what are you excited about? What do we need yeah. to know about? All right. So, so yeah, first of all, yeah, it's go to a lot of shows. So there's always kind of a life cycle of shows and every year there's usually like, Oh, here's the cool new thing. So like I was at the first DockerCon back in 2014 and to be able to sit front row and listen to engineers from Yahoo and Google explain how they architect this massively scalable thing. You know, I think I understood about a quarter of what they were saying and it blew my mind. It was just phenomenal. Uh, this year, you know, DockerCon's a little smaller. I'm, I, we will have presence there, um, but you know, I, it, it's it's a shame that I can't be at every show. But then again, it's it's really okay that I can't be at every show. Yeah, <laughs> the KubeCon shows really cool. Um, really at that stage of where many of the people there are either 
helping to build the tools or you know, involved enough that they're building their own thing. So still really in that early adopter phase, really, really smart audience, um, really fascinating things that they're doing, uh, phenomenal uh, stuff. And I've been to, uh, you know, we've done a couple of those now. Uh, serverless is something that I've been really interested in. Uh, I actually got to Serverless Conf, uh, which is run by a company, A Cloud Guru, um, was in New York City when I happened to be there last year. Um, and I was only there for two hours and I did seven interviews and like wow. they were still some of my favorite interviews of the year. I had Simon Wardley on who's oh, just yeah. a phenomenal thought leader guy. I've gotten to talk to a couple times with the first time I got to interview him, yeah. talk to a couple of startups, talk to iRobot, you know, talk about cool companies, how yes. they're using that technology. And they're actually going to be again in San Francisco this summer. And turns out I'm actually coming back from vacation. It was going to spend a couple of days in San Francisco. So I got the pass from my wife and kids to come spend a couple hours doing it again. So, you know, those things. The other thing I want to mention is what I'd love sometimes is to go do a conference that's outside of the normal kind of tech world. There's innovation conferences yes. I've gone to. Uh, we've done some events with MIT and with Stanford, which just expand your mind and really get you thinking. Yeah. And I love shows that actually pull in those kind of thought leaders and guests. So, uh, you know, we're doing an event uh, with PTC in Boston in a couple of weeks talking about IoT and the like that has things like that. Uh, Nutanix actually does a really good job bringing in some good thought leaders and speakers. Actually, Dell even had Ashton Kutcher, who I've seen a number of times and I thought gave the best presentation I've seen him do, which wasn't just him doing gadgets and stuff, but his philosophy as an investor. Mm -hmm. um, an engineer by training. Uh, it was cool things. So now, that was good. I was yeah. backstage actually. I, I was fortunate enough just to meet him very, very briefly, just in, in passing. But yeah, wow. I mean, he really struck me as oh, he's very tall, by the way. He, he must be <laughs> six five easily. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I thought that that session that he did there um, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, originally, not that this isn't really known, but he was only supposed to be on the stage for the first part, and it was only five or ten minutes beforehand. He actually said, no, actually, I want to stay for the whole thing. So he actually staying for the, the entire session there. And it was brilliant. I mean, how he wrapped it up at the end. And I mean, I, I wasn't aware that uh, himself and, um, and his previous wife there uh, had started the, um, uh, the, the, um, the, 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 the charity there. Yeah, the charity. The right. so, so him and Demi Moore, and they were yeah. using technology to find people that are, yeah. you know, you know, child, you know, sex slave yeah. type things. And because online they could use tools to track down the ads, track down the people, shut it down, put people in jail. I mean, talk about a great oh, way amazing. to it's leverage amazing technology yeah. to do good for the world, which by the way, the other thing yeah. is I've loved this trend the last few years. A lot of shows, they have charities there, not just to say we give money, but you can participate. I mean, I've put, you know, build the backpack and put it together, okay. yeah, yeah. you know, do food things, carry water, you know, there's all these things. And it's good to get us because at the end of the day, right, we're in the tech industry, but connecting back to that, those transformations in the, the broader world, you know, if we're not making the world a better place, you know, exactly. we better be doing more than just making ad clicks a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And as it, it, it sort of going back to what you were saying there about some of the innovation conferences you attend this year. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough this year at the start of the year, to attend CES for the first time. And that was interesting. I mean, parts of it was more like a car show, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's but it gave you a real insight into what's coming. Um, you know, you had all the large players there. I mentioned cars. So for example, you had Toyota, Ford, um, you know, you had all the uh, um, consumer or residential uh, electronics firms, everything from LG, Sony, you know, all the usual, all the usual players there. But for me, when I was attending uh, at, at the Sands Conference Center, down in the basement area there, 
the most interesting part of that show were the small startups that, that had their a tiny little booth down there and were pitching these ideas. And some <laughs> of the ideas you went around were, were mind-blowing. They were the type of things that you would see what they were doing and goes, God, that makes perfect sense. Things, it's the type of thing, you know, the aha moments where, you know, someone comes out with a great idea and you go, well, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't I think about that? Yeah. You know, multi-million dollar idea there. But there were so many of these, you know, these little startups are struggling for funding that's obviously, you know, uh, you know, through everything they had, having a, a booth or a presence at CES. Um, yeah, and, and, and that was incredibly interesting because there was a lot of great innovation coming out from those small players yeah absolutely i mean it's another thing in my job i get to talk to a lot of startups so you yeah. know interesting space of course you go to silicon valley every one of them is going to, to you know change the world overnight oh, uh, yes. disrupt you know billions of dollars of market um and some of them you know make progress so <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and um, so, so so one one area that we spoke of obviously we're talking about sort of new technologies coming through um you know talking about transformation or what have you there Stu? what what emerging technologies are you seeing what you know what 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 really interests you? What, what do you think is going to, you know, stay? I mean, some of these, some of these emerging technologies, you know, they're going to be flash in the pan. You know, people are, are kicking the tires on the ideas. Some will last. Some, some are going to be quite uh, transformatory. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big question, Simon. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I, I tend to be, uh, you know, fans of the wave. Um, and you know the simplification of IT. Um, yes. You know how do we allow you know small companies to take advantage of things that before only you know state agencies or you know huge global companies could do. Um, that was actually some of the promise of big data initially, mm. um, but you know you're really seeing them that from the analytics space. Um, you know. You know, I'm not heavily deep into the AI ML stuff, and still am a little bit skeptical uh, on some of those. I, I think it was, uh, it was, you know, back to that Walter Isaacson book. You know, Ada Lovelace was like, you know, well, if I could actually write it as a program, um, it's not actually artificial intelligence because you know it, it goes against the definition of yes. what, what it is. So that's um, true. But we, we really start to see we're having conversations about intelligence where it is very different than we were having 10 years ago. Even, you know, back at, at the Dell show, I talked to some, you know, old school, hardcore, you know, symmetrics engineers. And when you ask them that question about why is the intelligence in the system now, their, their eyes light up and they get so excited because they're like, oh, you know, I've been beating against this with seven generations of ASICs and code <laughs> and things like that. Now this thing does like trillions of decisions and I didn't have to, you know, put that logic in place. It's, yes. It learns and it understands. So, um, and going back to like what you said at CES, that still that line between the consumer and the enterprise, you know, it does blur. Uh, yeah. to, you know, you know, come on, storage is all free and you know, infinite compute, and uh, <laughs> that's going to open up uh, a lot of things. Yeah, I actually think it's quite exciting. I mean, it's like the uh, you know, working remotely or working from home. I mean, I really think it's the consumer technologies that are helping drive that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know. A number of years ago, for example, when I was uh, a systems admin, prior to that, I was doing IT support and what have you. Quite often, what we were seeing, the iPhones had first come out then, and the execs wanted iPhones at work. But we were finding they knew about the iPhones just because they were using these products at home. And, you know, you started having streaming this, that, and the other thing. And I said, well, why can't we do this, you know, at work, at the office? So a lot of the, uh, you know, the um, more the residential or the consumer space technologies just through people's uh, exposure to them, 
um, you know, does 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 bubble up eventually through into enterprise. Obviously, a lot of things are a lot larger than uh, phones and yeah, uh, the, streaming the, the, TV. The, the but, thing, uh, you know, I, so I'll give the other. I sold video conferencing gear back in the '90s. I worked for it was actually uh, one of the divisions of what used to be Lucent, now Avaya, but mm. you know, PictureTel and Polycom. Um, and, you know, there was this vision of ubiquitous video. And here we are using, you know, a, a good, you know, relatively low cost video uh, solution. But, you know, we still aren't there yet. Yeah. You know, my kids definitely use FaceTime more than I do. Um, the promise of 5G is, you know, hey, we might eventually get rid of Wi-Fi and just have ubiquitous bandwidth yeah. that allow us to use this. But it's still not there. Yeah. And, you know, there's kind of there's great high end video. Uh, one last company I worked at, I used to use the telepresence and that was phenomenal. Yes. You know, you'd get at a meeting with somebody in Europe and they'd get up to shake your hand at the end of the meeting. It was so good, um, wow. you know, for yeah. you know, thousands of miles away. Um, but, you know, in general, we've got low end, you know, kind of free-ish um, and very high end, but it's, it's not like, you know, we're, I don't expect tomorrow uh, or next year that we're going to be sitting in our self-driving cars, uh, having, you know, live streaming video conversations with somebody else, but, you know, in our lifetime, maybe. Oh, know? I think so. I, I don't think we're too far off there, actually. I would, uh, I, I'm actually, you know, the older I get, the lazier I'm getting with the driving, right? I, I'm actually, I, I welcome the self-driving car because, I mean, it's fantastic. Those folks that, you know, yeah. drive an hour and a half to work because of traffic. It's ideal. I mean, cars, if you think about it, you could just sit in the car, you know, just taking one of the examples there, Stu, with a table. So your car would have comfortable seats, a table, mm -hmm. it just work. And so, so it's not lost product, productivity time going in and coming out of the office every day. I mean, I, I think it sounds fantastic. We need self-driving cars to pre prevent accidents. I mean, because so many people are texting while they drive. Just driving in this morning, I was looking around, and just about every car I looked at, somebody is just looking at a cell phone while they're while they're driving and texting. I'm thinking we need these self-driving cars faster <laughs> before uh, to, you know to prevent these kind of accidents. Yeah, um, David, you are so right because right people are always like, well, you know, the uh, the, the computers aren't perfect yet. And I'm like, yes, but have you seen people? <laughs> right, right. I mean. I totally agree. Stu, I really feel, feel for Tesla, actually, because Tesla are really, you know, they're, they're, they're leading the charge, right? They're the spearhead of this, of this right. technology. But every Tesla car that has something that vaguely resembles a, a, an accident, it's all over the press. Yeah. Mm. And when you compare to the amount of people, you know, people led or caused accidents every day, compared to the, you know, the amount of cars on the road that uh, are semi-autonomous. I won't say autonomous because yeah. they're still semi-autonomous. I mean, the, the, it's a much smaller yeah. number, I'd almost the, 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 there's say. This, there's, there's been lots of studies done that most people think that they are more intelligent than they actually are. Mm. And I know that most people think that they're a better driver than they actually are. Because if you ask anybody if they are a good driver, they will say yes. And they will say, what do you think about other people on the road? And they'll say, oh, well, like 80% of the people on the road are complete idiots <laughs> doing something else and everything. And I'm like, okay, wait, if 90% of the people think they're good drivers, yet everybody agrees that 80% of the people are yeah. bad drivers, math doesn't work. Uh, you know, so. Well, exactly. And I mean, you, you know, you're down this scale here, you can have a whole range of people, right? You can have good drivers down here, right through to bad drivers at the other end, or reverse that rather. But at least with autonomous vehicles, you're going to have a sort of a, a, a median or, or, you know, a much smaller median as to the, the, the quality or the standard of driving on the road. So to my way of thinking, it's, it's, that can be a bad thing. Yeah, it takes a long time for the technology, the, the reality of the technology to catch up with the hype, you know, whether it's consumer or, or enterprise, it seems like. And in the meantime, when the technology isn't quite, you know, met, hasn't met up with the hype yet, it, it gets bashed, I guess, like the self-driving car. At least that's my take. We, we, we could have 
orchestrate, we could have implemented uh, roads in the 70s that would allow self-driving cars to actually work. Yeah. Uh, took a civil engineering course as an undergrad, which was over 20 years ago, and they explained exactly how we could have built it, you know, decades before that, but it's, you know, getting through the people. It's just yeah. like, you know, just like, you know, well, we're not getting everybody to ride, you know, public transit. Well, you know, there's public policy, there, there's all these other things. Gosh, something, you know, as, as a technology person, it's like, oh, wait, I need to get governments involved. We need to sort this out. You know, we, we didn't talk about drones or anything like that. It's like the technology is pretty much here, but, yeah. you know, we don't want those things buzzing all over the place. My sister who lives right outside of Boston already had one crash through her window. Oh, wow. She, she wow. Me, I'm like, hey, that's a really nice GoPro you have there. And she sold it on eBay because <laughs> they never <laughs> Got it. Window. But yeah. yeah, I paid for the window. And, uh, <laughs> it's right. There's so many kind of levels to mm -hmm. really make change that it's, it, you know, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think one te technological area that is merging, uh, emerging that is definitely getting traction is the area of IoT. I think we're definitely there now. I mean, you know, the, the, the components are getting small enough, they're getting cheap enough, um, you know, whether that be enterprise, whether it be consumer. Um, you know, that's that's one area that I think is definitely as long as you don't care about security or malware or anything well, like that. Yeah, we're all good. Minor points, minor yeah, points. You but, know, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's service very area true. of attack and uh, <laughs> what, how old that device? Can we update the firmware on it? No, don't, don't worry about it. It's no, it's very true. I mean, obviously, you need a very decent sort of management. So, so we actually, so our, our research arm, Wikibomb, GE actually came to us and we did the initial work and forecast for. Uh, the industrial internet yeah. uh, conversation. So trillion dollar opportunity, but when you go talk to the engineers, it's like, oh my God, there's years worth of challenges that we will need to sort through. You know, you've got API creep, you've got all of these different uh, mm. transport layers, multiple open source versions out there. And so, yes, I, I, I absolutely a huge, huge wave edge computing. You know, we could spend another hour talking oh, yeah. about yeah. that. Uh, edge does not kill the cloud, just like cloud did not kill the data center um, or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, really so many, uh, so Simon, as you said, luckily we, we don't have a shortage of, you know, cool things to talk about. <laughs> to your point there, I totally agree, Stu. I mean, you know, really the, 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 the evolution or the, the, the the, um, the implementation of IoT has definitely got to be in lockstep and hand in hand with security. I mean, security, I always think, it is played down a lot or, or rather selectively ignored. I mean, it's, 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 in my whole career in IT, it's always, I always feel it plays second fiddle somewhat, but even, you know, more so in a connected world that, that, that we live in now, I mean, I think security is more paramount than ever, especially well, with IoT. So here's what I'd say. 20 years ago, I said security was top of mind, bottom of budget. Mm. Um, and today it is still top of mind and way higher up on the budget. It, it is, it is something that so you're it this. is a board level conversation. It is in every single event I go to, um, you know, so, you know, yeah. security, absolutely huge. Uh, there is such a huge industry around this, but we haven't made as much progress as we want. When I became an analyst eight years ago, uh, it was my, my, my joke was I can just go into anything and be like, Oh, well, monitoring and security are still a problem. Mm. And it's like, you know, here we are eight years later and, you know, you can still kind of beat on that horse. Yeah, yeah. There's always something yeah. that was tacked on at the end, wasn't it? And, oh, and also, have you considered security? Security is everyone's problem. Oh, every yeah. level, every part, need to think of it holistically. Yep. There is no silver bullet um, because security is not a solution. Security is a practice. No. That's brilliant. Unfortunately, it's it's an afterthought. I, I heard that from one of my guests on. The I tell you what, I'm, I'm gonna have to write that one down. Actually, yeah. use that more. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. But you're right. Unfortunately, it's an afterthought. You know, it, it, it's been set on the cube. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs>
<laughs> well, Stu, we've got a lot of links that I need to add to the show notes. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, um, a lot of you know interviews that you've done with great people like Michael Dell. Um, we're running out of time here, I know, in our time slot. Um, where can people find you on the, the social media? And where will we see you, you know, like what, what shows later this year? All right. So, yeah. So first of all, uh, easiest website is uh, thecube.net, which is where all the videos have. That has the list of upcoming shows and past shows. Um, I'm still partial to the twi Twitters. Uh, so I'm just STU on Twitter. So, um, you know. I still find I, it amazing you've got that handle. When I, when I worked I, in the better world, I actually went by Stuart. But then I got the social, the, the Twitter handle. And so everybody calls me Stu. So you're yeah. all my high school buddies. So uh, it's all <laughs> Um, so yeah, e easy there. Uh, you know, uh, of course I'm on LinkedIn, um, Facebook. I keep only for kind of friends and family to talk about my kids and star Wars and, uh, things like that. But, uh, please, you know, hit me up on, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, or, you know, check out the cube.net. It's easy to contact us uh, on that. And, uh, well shows this year, um, I'm going to be at a lot of shows, David. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm going back to Cisco live for the first time. Um, actually, since I was working at EMC, I remember Chad Sackick and me doing like blogger roundtable videos. Oh, wow. like, uh, you know, at Cisco Live, like 2009 was the last time I was at the US show. Uh, so that's coming up in June, um, doing some of the regional AWS things like AWS's public sector. Uh, of course, VMworld's, uh, you know, big on my agenda. Uh, KubeCon at the end of the year in Seattle, I, I will be at. Um, and, and I'm sure a dozen other shows that just aren't top of mind, but uh, lots of shows. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Well, hopefully uh, we'll catch up with you at least uh, well, one of those VMworld at least. Uh, I know I'm attending that. Um, yeah. Hey, Christian, you mentioned Star Wars SU. Have you, have you had a chance to see Solo yet? Oh, I'm going this weekend. So no I've, heard, I've heard really good things about it. So you're going to have to let us know. Yeah. That, it, it, so, so. so the last point I'll make is there's always, you know, people have, David, you mentioned, you know, expectations that aren't quite right. So, you know, Solo only made, you know, 85 million in the first, you know, official weekend. I think 100 million in, if you include Memorial Day, it did not reach what the experts said that it should. <laughs> I'm like, it did pretty good. And my friends that are big Star Wars fans all liked it. So it's kind of ridiculous. Um, as long, my, my general rule of thumb is as long as they don't mess up Chewbacca, I'm yeah. going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, I don't love seven and eight so far, but I loved Rogue One. Um, I'm looking forward to Solo. Um, I still watch it, and it, it's been a joy to be able to share this new generation of stuff with my kids. Uh, same so. as mine. I mean, I've, I've, uh, Thomas, my, my son, he's coming up for five at the moment. So I was six when I first saw Star Wars when it first came out in '77. So uh, I've managed to get an agreement for, for, from my wife that uh, when Tom's six, I can show him the first Star Wars movie. So I, I'm just absolutely busting to show him to introduce him to Star Wars. <laughs> As well, he's already introduced because he already plays Star Wars Lego and what have you. But uh, mm -hmm. so, well, just which order are you going to show them to him in? Oh, well, there's only one way, isn't it? Very start controversial. Yeah, start at start at four, work forwards, ignore the first three. Yeah, right. There's the machete order, but yeah, four, five, and six, you four, definitely five, start six. with. Yeah, or is uh, what, what I, I read once it was a great line, probably from Twitter, of course. It was uh, episodes four, five, and six shall be referred to as the original trilogy, yep. and episodes one, two, and three shall not be referred to. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Wise words indeed. <laughs> well, Stuart, it's been great, great to see you. Great to finally catch up and particularly, you know, real treat because uh, what's caught up with you. Uh, all right, so, so sometime so, in the next 10 years, uh, you, you'll get me on again. I we'll do it again. Time. <laughs> we'll do it much sooner than that. <laughs> but thanks a lot, Stu. Great to see you, David. And, great to uh, see you, Stu and Simon. Thanks yeah. for being on, Stu. I'll see you at VMworld, most likely. <laughs> Cheers, guys.